Hey guys, before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let y'all know that my entire family has switched our cell phone service over to Patriot, and it has been such a great move for us. Patriot Mobile is America's only conservative cell phone company. They're all about freedom, the Constitution, giving you the power to support conservative organizations. It's right up our alley. It's like having a superpower for your beliefs. Patriot Mobile uses the same reliable networks as the big carriers, so you'll get great service wherever you go. We did not see a change in our service, and actually it's gotten better. Their customer service is incredible. You call and you immediately get someone on the phone to help you with something. They've got plans to fit every budget from unlimited talk and text to data-packed options for all your streaming needs. And when you make the switch to Patriot Mobile, they will buy out your current contract up to $500 a line. So fellow freedom-loving friends, it is time to make the change. Head over to PatriotMobile.com today. Use the code Blake for 10% off your bill. That's PatriotMobile.com, code Blake. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident Krabby Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. It's a little bit different. It's just me this time this week. And we are talking about pharmaceuticals, specifically SSRIs. And I'm really excited to talk about this and share with you what God has done in my life over the last month, year, 15 years. I'm also nervous, if I'm going to be totally honest, because this just feels and is so hugely personal, right? Like this is my medical history. This is my mental health. And No matter what I do, God keeps asking me to show up to this conversation. Even when I am like biting him tooth and nail and don't want to talk about it, I know that I can hear and feel him asking me to share about it. There's that quote that's like, maybe you've been given this mountain to show others it can be moved. And as cheesy as that is, I've kind of held on to that for the last, really last five years, probably. Before we get into the episode, though, I want to give some disclaimers. Just, I need you to hear me. Don't skip through this. This is not medical advice. I am not a doctor. I'm not a professional. I have, yes, 15 years of lived experience, and I've done a pretty extensive amount of research surrounding this topic in the last two years, but I am not a professional. I am not telling anyone to get off of any pharmaceutical medications, and certainly not cold turkey. This is very like, do as I say, not as I do. Yes, I came off of Prozac cold turkey, and I will tell you that whole story of what transpired. That is not what I am suggesting anyone does. I am not criticizing being on medication. I'm not judging being on any medication. The point of this podcast and any other content that I create 
related to this subject is not meant to make you feel bad about being on a medication. It is simply meant to push you to maybe ask some questions that you didn't even think that you needed to ask and question what you have been told as true and see if it's actually what's true for you. That's where I want you to start. The point is always to ask questions and to think critically. And in the process, I'm going to tell you my story of how I got to this point where I am now pharma-free. But I'm trying to tell this story like I'm telling it to two-year-ago me who wanted this but did not know what the next steps were to even start to make that happen. Because like I said, yes, I went off of the Prozac cold turkey, but I really believe that there is so much that I've been implementing in my life over the last six months, year, and two years that helped get me to a place where I was ready. Okay? That's the disclaimer. Not medical advice. I'm not suggesting anyone make any changes to their medication, much less doing anything cold turkey. Okay? So my (laughs) character arc in reference to psychiatric medications is pretty stunning. To be honest, I've always been really open about the different medications that I was on or trying. I spent a lot of time defending that choice pretty fiercely. In this episode, I want to focus on SSRIs because it's the one that I've been on the longest and the most consistently over the last 15 years. But there was a point, I think like January of 2020, I was on seven different medications at one time. So I was on my SSRI. I was also on an antidepressant, which come to find out you're not even actually like supposed to be on those Wellbutrin and Prozac at the same time, but I was. I was taking Lunesta for sleep. I was on metformin to try to help manage my blood sugar and my weight. I was on Vyvanse because I had just recently been diagnosed with like adult ADHD and also the doctor thought that the Vyvanse would help me lose some weight. I was taking at least a half a Xanax every single day and was on technically prescription grade vitamin D because my vitamin D levels were like through the floor. So that's like the whole thing. I'm not ready to get into all of that, but I am ready to talk about SSRIs. (laughs) So Speaking to SSRIs specifically, I would not say that I regret ever getting on them. I did what I could with what I knew, and I was 18 when I got on them. I had moved to Baton Rouge, was going to LSU. I mean, I was on my own for the first time. A lot had transpired in the last few years just on a personal level, a lot of like changing relationships and changing beliefs, and I felt like I didn't have anywhere to go. My relationship with Jesus was virtually non-existent. I grew up in a Christian home, but went to LSU and found like my relationship with Jesus was my parents. And that is not my parents' fault. It's not really anybody's fault. It just kind of is what it is. I think that happens a lot where you grow up in a home and your relationship with the religion and like the figure at the head of the religion is largely contingent on this is what your parents believe. And so I had just moved out of my parents' house. I didn't know what I believed at the moment. And I was really struggling with, you know, being a freshman in a relatively competitive major. And I just kind of felt like I was losing my mind. And one thing that you have to understand that has changed in my life pretty significantly is that at that time, my family structure, we were pretty like pharmaceutical friendly. And that has changed. Like, My dad has left the medical field. 
we all lean a lot more naturally and question big pharma. But at the time, 17 years ago, that was the answer for our family and that was the norm. And so when I got to this point where I was like, I am not okay, I'm not thriving, I'm struggling across the board, walking into a therapist's office or a church, just didn't see, it was not my like knee-jerk first choice. So instead, I walked into the LSU Student Health Center, sat down with a doctor for maybe five minutes, got a Zoloft prescription, got on it, and, and felt better, right? Like a lot of people get on these medications and in the beginning phases, the drug does what it's meant to do, which is like raise your serotonin levels. It levels you out. It allows you to think a little bit more clearly. And like, that's what the drug was created for. And honestly, like that was it. I got put on this medication. I went back into the office every three months and like the doctor put eyes on me and that was how I got my refills. And then once I graduated and became an adult, uh, I got married the year after I graduated and I started going to my husband's primary care. But by then, like the medication was established. And one thing that I found by kind of being passed around the system for the last 17 years, it's that I got established on this drug. Like nobody ever questioned that. No doctor that I ever saw was like, do you still need to be on this? It was just, oh, you're also on an SSRI check. Like we'll take over that refill, which was just kind of how things had always been. I had no, I didn't know that that was something that I could question. And that's pretty much been the case since I was 18. I have been on them with some very, very small stints of getting off of them. I mean, I even stayed on them through my pregnancies, which isn't necessarily recommended, but I just did. I just never came off of them. And I guess my OB was okay with it. In 2021, I attempted to get off of it. I tapered off for about three months And then things got pretty bad pretty quickly. My anxiety and just also my anger and my temper, I just kind of felt like I was losing my mind, but then also would simultaneously like gaslight myself into believing that I actually felt okay because I wanted to be off of them so badly. And this is very like vulnerable and hard to admit, but the reason that I got off of them in 2021 or tried to get off of them was because I wanted to lose weight, (laughs) which isn't, it's not a good enough reason to do anything, especially not something that massive. But I knew, like I had done my research, I knew by then that SSRIs were pretty directly linked to weight gain and appetite and an inability to lose weight. And I was so desperate to not feel like a stranger in my own body that I made the decision to taper off of it, get off of it, ended up kind of not being okay. I remember going to an event and just being, I just wasn't okay. And I don't know how else to to say it. I was snippy. I was, but also somehow disassociated and everything was stressing me out. And I remember driving home in the truck with Jeremy and I told him, if you feel like I need to get back on my meds, you need to tell me now. Like it's time this is your your pass where I'm not going to be mad if you say yes. And he very gently put his hand on my leg and he said, I just don't think you're having as many good days as you maybe think you are. 
which now makes me sad. I look back on her, you know, like who I was and had two pretty young kids and he was working like crazy and I was working like crazy and we're working towards this shared goal, but I'm just losing it. And I know I wasn't being the mom that I wanted to be and I know that I wasn't being the wife that I wanted to be. And I was so thankful that he was honest in that moment because it was permission. I mean, I got back on Prozac. I was on Prozac by then because the the medication changed over the years. And I got back on Prozac the next day. I mean, like emergency called in to my doctor, got my prescription refilled, got back on it. Unfortunately, sometimes if you come off of a drug and then try to reintroduce it, that can actually be worse than the withdrawals of trying to get off of it. And that was the case for me. It was about three weeks, two to three weeks of hell. It was hell. I now jokingly look back and say, "Ah, y'all might have been, y'all might have been within your rights to institutionalize me in that little span of time. But as with everything, like God's hand was all over it. And it just so happened that my parents were moving at the time. And so they actually basically moved in with us for about a week, if not more, because I was essentially bedridden. I would wake up violently shaking. I couldn't keep anything down. I was like puking and you know, the other direction. I couldn't stop crying. I could barely put together sentences. I mean, it was horrific. It was horrific. My mom, after I was better, my mom told me that she'd never seen me like that and that I needed more help then than I did after having a C-section with Elliot, which is major surgery, right? Like they cut through your entire abdomen and pull a human out and getting back on Prozac this that time in 2021 I was more debilitated then than I was when I had a c-section and now I don't even know what to make of that experience I'm so thankful for the providence of God and the covering and the fact that my parents were able to step in and take care of me and take care of my children and that we got through it but I I still don't feel like I've fully processed what happened in that season How much of that was spiritual? How much of it was mental? How much of it was physical? I I don't know. I haven't fully processed that yet. But what I know is that it birthed fear. And so I spent two years knowing I wanted to get off of this medication, but being too afraid to do it. I would have conversations with Jeremy or with Kylie. I would journal about it. I would talk about it in therapy. But it was just talk. I was genuinely frozen in fear. And had, I've gotten, at this point, gotten off of all of the other medications. I'm literally down from seven to one. I'm down to my SSRI every single day. And in March of this year, missed three days of it and felt loopy as heck and realized I had not taken it in a few days and started taking it and I was fine. So that's as recently as March, okay? So still stuck in fear, though, still Looking back at what had happened and being more worried that that was going to happen again than able to look forward and see any kind of hope or any kind of path out. I cannot tell you the number of times that I cried to my husband that I was just going to be stuck on this medication for the rest of my life. And that felt like defeat. 
And I understand that not everyone feels that way. I, the reason I'm telling you this is the, so that you can see the frame of mind that I was in. I, was, I really wanted this, but I did not see a way forward. And maybe you don't feel that way about your medication. Maybe you feel that way about something else in your life. Like I think we can all resonate with wanting something, having a pretty good inkling that God wants it for you too, but just being stuck in quicksand and not being able to move forward. And my story is one where God like basically threw me over his shoulder and took the steps for me. <laughs> so in June of this year, I walked out of my gynecologist appointment, or I wasn't even actually in the appointment, I was still in the waiting office. And I cannot give you a reason other than disquiet in my spirit. I had, from the second I walked through the front doors of like the huge, you know, gynecological hospital, knew I wasn't supposed to be there. Kind of on repeat in my head was, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. I have no explanation for that. I have gone to this hospital so many times between it's where I had my babies. So you go to the doctor all the time when you're pregnant. It's where I've gone every year for my yearly checkup. I have visited dozens of friends in this hospital when they have had their babies. This hospital is should be kind of comfortable to me. And I was coming out of my skin. By the time I've hit the elevators, I don't know why I'm still stepping forward, but I am. I check in. I go sit in like the little, you know, waiting room or whatever. Cannot chill out. And then I sit there for over 30 minutes battling with myself, basically battling with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think I can look back and see that for what it was. But 30, over 30 minutes goes by. And finally, I stood up and walked out. I went up to the reception, told them I had to leave and that, you know, she was like, do you want to reschedule your appointment? I was like, no, I'll do that later. Walked out and, and just immediate peace, immediate peace. And it made no sense, y'all, because at the time, I'm not thinking about the fact that my gynecologist is the one who refills my Prozac. Completely forgot. Honestly, it's changed hands and changed doctors so many times. I couldn't even remember who was refilling that at the time. So that does not enter my mind for another month. I just knew that I was not supposed to go into that appointment. It made no sense. My husband, Jeremy, looked at me like I was crazy. You just walked out? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just wasn't supposed to be there. Completely forgot that this doctor is refilling my Prozac until August 21st when I'm standing in the gym and the alarm goes off on my phone to refill the Prozac, pick up the phone, call the pharmacy, and they tell me I don't have any refills left. And immediately in that moment, I felt like I had a choice to make. I had been talking and praying about getting off of them for two years. And while I knew that I was taking a risk, like a huge risk, and that this could potentially be really bad, I just had peace about it. The same peace that I had when I walked out of the hospital, in that moment when they said, you don't have any more refills, we'll, we'll fax the doctor's office and see if they'll refill it. And in my mind, I'm going, they're not going to until I come in. And I hung up and I was just like, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. I'm going to give this a real full effort to not have to take these drugs anymore. I am not suggesting that you do this. I'm going to say that a million times through this episode. Cold turkey is not suggested. Are there a lot of success stories like mine? Come to find out, yes, there are. I have had so many people in my DMs 
who have been like, I cold turkey came off of Effexor, Prozac, Zoloft, and it's the best decision I've ever made. I think you have to prep and prime yourself before you get there and come alongside God for those things to transpire. But in that moment, I just had peace. I had the same peace that I had when I walked out of the hospital. And so there is no explanation for it other than I felt like God was asking me to take a risk that he was going to carry me through. And I don't even fully know how to communicate how I knew that other than peace that surpasses understanding. Because I have been in that exact scenario multiple times through the last 17 years where you call in for a refill and they tell you you don't have any refills and then you panic because the, I, you just took your last pill last night. You were hoping you could just swing through the pharmacy today and not miss a pill and now you're going to miss one. And I, none of that even crossed my mind. It was peace that surpasses understanding and just this quiet voice saying, let's try it. I think maybe we can do it this time. And I'm just going to give you a spoiler alert. I'm recording this 35 days later, and I've never felt better. <laughs> so I want to tell you a few of the things that I did that I had already done that I think helped support my body. And then also what I've done since then. It's really quite simple. I quit drinking caffeine in like 2019, but I would cheat with that. And I locked that down super hard that day. (laughs) The day that I decided to stop taking it was the day I was like, okay, we're going to go no caffeine ever. Caffeine triggers my anxiety super hard. I have thought I was dying because of a pumpkin spice latte before. I've hallucinated on caffeine. My body is so sensitive to it. And so I would try to like sneak a Diet Coke here and there. And I just have hardcore cold turkey, no caffeine. I also quit eating gluten the February before all of this happened, and I think that massively set me up for success. I also did that cold turkey, which you're not supposed to do either. (laughs) I don't know if you're noticing a trend, but I am full send about everything, and I'm not recommending that, but, you know, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. I just like to do it the hard way, so... Quit eating gluten in February. You're supposed to taper off. I cold turkey quit, had horrific withdrawals for three weeks, stuck through it, and felt like the skies opened up and I could think clearly and function and felt so much better. I was like, is this how everybody's been walking around feeling? Because that's not fair. So I really think between the gluten and the caffeine, I was prepared. Like I was in a good place to make this jump. That, that was a Monday. So the very next day, I started taking a lineup of supplements that I had already been researching to kind of support my body going through this process. I'm going to share more about those at the end of the episode. But first, I want to kind of get through the timeline of how things happened. So that first week, I had some disassociation and some stomach issues, which both tend to be go-tos for my body. But I just knew that if I stuck it out, it would be okay. And I just kept telling myself, this really isn't that bad. And it really wasn't. I would get a little tripped out. I don't know if you've ever been disassociated. It happens to me a lot. I think it's because I have such an overactive brain that sometimes my brain almost like needs a break from itself. It's kind of this out of body feeling like you're watching a situation happen to you instead of being in it. It's a coping mechanism, to be honest. So that was that wasn't my favorite. I had to work really hard to kind of be where my feet were. And my stomach just it's so sensitive. I'm working on healing it and serving it holistically, but 
I spent a lot of time in the bathroom that week. I'm going to be totally honest with you. But the whole time, even when I felt really kind of not great in that first seven days, I leaned into Jesus, y'all. And he showed up in such crazy ways. It When I felt shaky and like maybe this is a bad choice, which really wasn't that often. It only happened a few times. But when I got there, I literally just cried out to Jesus. Like, if this is your idea, if this is what you have for me, we're going to have to do this together. And I'm way weaker than you are. Can you help me out? Like, that was essentially my prayer. And every single time he met me where I was, I experienced peace that surpassed understanding. Someone would check in on me and encourage me because Jesus loves us tangibly through one another. It felt like we were battling together. Like Jesus and I were battling together. And this, my, my weapon was worship and continues to be today. My weapon was worship. I sang Promises by Maverick City Music probably over a hundred times a week. And I think I felt like I didn't have my own words to put to how I was feeling, both in my like love of Jesus and honestly experiencing him in a new way and also the depths of what I was experiencing because it was just, it was a big deal. Even if the physical symptoms weren't super crazy, I was dropping these chains of like fear and burden and things that I didn't want to be doing that I knew weren't for me. They were just dropping off of me. And that is a wild experience when you've been carrying them for 17 years. And so there was a huge spiritual element to this experience for me. And worship carried me through that and also gave words and language to what I was feeling and experiencing when I couldn't. A lot of people have asked what the biggest difference that I've noticed is. And that list is so long. It's insane. My life, I feel like my life has changed just so hugely in the last 30 days. But my capacity for worship has expanded so significantly that it's life-changing. And I don't mean like just stand like corporate worship at church. Worship as a lifestyle, experiencing worship through other people's giftings viewing every single thing that I do as an act of worship, I can't even explain it. But I think that first two weeks where I was still afraid and I was still scared that things were going to go sideways and I was still kind of walking on eggshells, this new thing was birthed in me. And I loved worship before then, but it's a just a totally different level and a totally different experience. And I think it's noticeable, like I'm not walking around singing worship songs, but I know that people can see light in me in a way they didn't necessarily before. And I don't think it's that I'm off Prozac. I think it's that my capacity for worship was just stretched so far, so fast over that kind of crazy cold turkey experience. And it's just stayed that way and continued to grow. That's been my biggest win, I would say. 
I want to tell you some of the biggest things I've learned in the last 30 days. The list, the list is like half biblical and half scientific because that's how my brain works. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to answer some of the most frequently asked questions that y'all submitted. But these are the two things that I heard from God the most in the midst. And it was, you are mine and do you trust me? The you are mine line is from Isaiah 43.1. It says, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I read that about two weeks in and then sat with it for another, I think, two weeks that I knew, I know that we are God's children. I know that he called us by name and I know that he redeemed us. And I'm sure I've read this verse before. There was something about feeling a little bit unmoored, right? This little pill had been a, somewhat of an anchor for 17 years in my life and I, that I had just ripped out that, you know, I'm a little shaky on my feet and putting all of that together, being reminded that I don't have anything to fear because I've been redeemed. I have been called by name and the God of the universe, the creator of everything, calls me his. And in the state that I was in, what that ignited in me was like, who's going to take me out? A pill? (laughs) A pill is going to take me out when I'm his, when I am called, when I am redeemed, when I am told over and over in scripture that I don't have anything to fear. It made me like buck up against the fear, right? Fear was knocking. And up until that point, I had kind of just been hiding behind the door. I wasn't opening the door. I wasn't letting the fear in. But I, it was it was stressing me out a little bit. And I knew it was there. And I read these verses and I kind of dug into them. And then it was like I could throw the door open and go, what? Do you know who I am? Do you know whose I am? Like nothing you can throw at me is going to take me out. We're in this together. And he's making moves in my life that I couldn't even make for myself. So nothing that you can throw at me is going to stick. It was this really like liberating, powerful experience to kind of buck up against a fear that had haunted me for 17 years and go like, you have nothing. You have no power here. And there is nothing you can do that will make me let you step across this threshold and bring fear into my home. And so I think it's one thing to keep fear out. I think there's power and there's strength in that. And there's a whole different scenario when you can kind of like thump your chest at fear and go, "Mm -mm, I'm not the one. And then on the other side of that, I would constantly hear God say, do you trust me? Over and over and over. Every time I doubted, every time I hedged, every time I read a DM from someone telling me their horror story of coming off of Prozac and I was like, what if that happens to me? I would hear God say, do you trust me? And then there's a very simple but powerful question that like you got to answer it honestly because God already like he knows the inner workings of your being. And there were times that I had to go, I mean, not right this second, not at 100% right this second, if I'm being honest. And that doesn't feel great. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't love that, having to come to terms with the fact that he had given me every reason to trust me. I was actively experiencing the miracle that I had prayed for for two to 15 years. And he would ask me if I trusted him. And sometimes I'd go, 
don't know. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? This miracle started in the gynecologist's waiting room when he prompted me to leave and it didn't make any sense. And I'm going to doubt that you're going to finish what you started. So I had to face that in myself as well, right? It kind of came face to face with my own fear and then also face to face with my own doubt that God doesn't do miracles anymore, that he doesn't do physical, there's no other explanation but a miracle miracles. And this experience has absolutely awoken that in me. And of course, like there are going to be people who think that's really like woo woo and crazy and whatever. And like, read the Bible. What did Jesus spend a majority of his time doing? God as well in the Old Testament. And you're telling me they just stopped altogether? Maybe they lessened in prominence. Maybe they didn't and we just don't see them. But this one, I was like, I'm not going to spend my miracle doubting it or hiding from fear. So those two experiences kind of separate but came together were just so crazy. And like looking back at my scared little butt sitting in the gyno office for 30 to 40 minutes, knowing what the right thing to do was and refusing to do it. I'm so thankful that he like didn't leave me alone, that he kept prompting and pushing and that I I like I'm thankful that I was obedient. I'm thankful that I got up and walked out because that started this crazy domino falling experience to where like next week, whenever October, like the beginning of October, I'm being interviewed for a documentary about the failings of the healthcare system, specifically in in terms of mental health. That started in June when God told me to walk out of that office. So we have to stop. I have to stop questioning these seemingly like isolated events and just start trusting that the God of the universe is still moving and working in my life the same way he did in Peter's or Paul's. There were definitely some hard days or have been some hard days and there may be more, but I will say that the hardest days were the ones that I knew were supposed to get harder through Dr. Google. (laughs) I couldn't help myself a lot of the time and I would Google Prozac withdrawal symptoms or Prozac withdrawal timeline and everything is completely all over the map. Some things say, you know, withdrawal starts within four to six days. Some say by day seven, others say by day 10, others say a month out. And without fail, I would read something like that. I think I would Google it about once a week because I like to torture myself. And whatever that day was, because at the time I was keeping really close track of what day I was on, I would feel a little shaky on my feet. Psychosomatic? I don't know. How much control do our minds have over the way that our body responds to things? That's another thing that I don't know. But it is definitely an interesting part of the story that I want to evaluate further when I have the capacity. Like day 10 was hard, but then day 11 wasn't. And, and everything that I was reading was that this was when the withdrawal symptoms would start and they would last about two to six weeks. I remember day 30 being scared to death because I had just read an article about someone whose withdrawal symptoms didn't start until a month out because they had been on it for so long. I was scared, but I was fine. So anyway, that part of it was crazy as well. I want to talk a little bit about the science and kind of what I've uncovered through my research. It's really interesting. 
citing science and data from sources that I don't trust, (laughs) but for some reason trusted when they told me to stay on them. I don't know. It's all very convoluted, but we're just going to we're just going to go with it. The first thing that I found, and I actually found this out about a year ago, was that the recommended course of these drugs is nine to 24 months. So the recommended course for an SSRI is to stay on it for about nine months to let it really like get in your system and work, but not stay on it for longer than 24 months. 60% of the patients on one of these drugs take them for over two years. 25% have been on them for over a decade. I've been on them for 17 years, half of my life. When it comes to side effects, there were a few that were mentioned in passing or have been kind of over the years, you know, like the dry mouth and the weight gain and the sexual dysfunction. I never had a doctor tell me anything about the risks of long-term use, that it significantly raises your risk of coronary heart disease, increased risk of death from cardiovascular disease, that there are studies that link long-term SSRI use to dementia. There's links between long-term use and osteoporosis and bone mineral loss. Like those are the long-term heavy hitter effects. Never, ever heard a doctor once tell me about those and never had a doctor have any kind of end game, like we should talk about having you off of these at some point either. So I was just going to stay on these drugs forever that could potentially lead to all of these relatively horrific long-term effects. I love that. I love that for me. Those are the physical symptoms and side effects of long-term use. You also have things like the fact that SSRIs are massively linked to things like murder, suicide. Prozac has a black box warning that highlights the potential for increased suicidal thoughts and behaviors in young adults and adolescents emphasizes close monitoring of patients during the initial stages. And then you start finding out that these doctors are being paid to put patients on these drugs and that they're basically barely even taught in med school how to taper you off of them. So they're getting paid to put you on them. They don't tell you about the long-term effects, mental and physical. And then they kind of like, I've had multiple doctors tell me, no, they wouldn't help me taper off of them. Now I know it's because they didn't know how. That's insane. (laughs) And I really don't regret ever being on the medication. As happy as I am to be pharma free, I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals. I believe there's a time and a place for their use and that they should be a last but necessary resort. So like if you're listening to this and you're on an SSRI or some other pharmaceutical and you have peace about it, I fully support your decision. Life is made up of seasons and in this one you may just need some extra support. What I feel really passionately about is people who are being put on these drugs and just left on them with no real attention paid to what that can mean and doctors financially benefiting from that. Like, I'm just not okay with that. So I want to give you the information that long-term SSRI use hasn't been studied, but the the things that have been studied and the data that has come out is not great. It's not good for your body to have your serotonin levels be edited that way for that long. I don't think anyone should be put on a pharmaceutical when they're young and just expected to stay on it for the rest of their lives with no support given to potentially getting off of it. That I can really firmly and confidently say. So for me, when I started changing my life and changing my priorities and we started changing our pace of life, which is honestly a whole podcast episode of its own, 
my peace about using these medications started waning and I had to investigate that. I stayed on them because I was afraid. I was scared to death to get off of them because of past experience and horror stories. And I'm such a huge advocate of not making decisions based on fear. And yet here I was making a pretty big decision based exclusively out of fear. And I still to this day don't fully understand how I got away with that. I question everything. And I think critically about everything. And yet was, there, was, there was this like one little area of my life. And, and I, I have grace for myself that I just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to look at that under a microscope and be honest about it. But I'm so thankful that God did what I couldn't and what I wouldn't. And now want to make sure that other people have information that I didn't have. I'm like, I'm going around doing all of this research and finding out all these crazy things. I may as well tell you about it. I am so thankful that this crazy series of events brought me to this place. And like, I genuinely don't care what anybody thinks. I know it was a miracle, which is why I'm so adamantly like, this is not medical advice. Do I believe God can and will do the same for you? Of course. Am I going to walk around like telling people to cold turkey quit their meds? No. But I do want to give you the tools to ask questions, to evaluate what you've been told and see if it's actually true, and to change the situation if you want to. So that brings us to your questions. I'm going to wrap this up. There were a lot of them. So I tried to narrow it down to the repeats that I got and the ones that I thought would be the most helpful. The primary one that I got was what supplements are you taking? So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you straight up what I'm taking that I think is really helping. Do your own research. Okay? Do your own research. Use DuckDuckGo or some other browser. Look into the benefits of these. You know, see if they're a good fit for you. All right? All the disclaimers. So supplements. The day after I got off of Prozac, I started taking Saffron a neurobalance that's magnesium, zinc, and B6, and rhodiola for energy. Saffron is basically nature's antidepressant. I listened to quite a few doctors talk about how they think pretty much everybody can benefit from taking saffron. Little side note, if there's little ears, you know, earmuffs. It also is a like sex drive support supplement. So if that's something that you struggle with, if you're not so much like an anxiety depression girly, but like you could use a little help in the sack, it's on Amazon. <laughs> I have also used cannabis through this process, but not like nothing excessive. It's not, it's not any more than I was doing before. So I started microdosing throughout the day and using cannabis about 18 months ago, maybe even almost two years ago. And there's not been a big uptick in my use since getting off of Prozac. I've used it the same. So saffron, neurobalance, rhodiola, and cannabis have been the supplements that I've used along with eliminating gluten and caffeine. So that's the supplement lineup. Another big question I had a lot was brain zaps. So funny story, I actually had brain zaps all the time when I was on Prozac. It was a huge symptom for me. So if you've never had a brain zap, I'm very jealous, but it's basically this electric sensation that runs through your brain. It's exactly what it sounds like. It feels like your brain gets zapped. I usually kind of jump a little bit, like my whole body will kind of tense up. Sometimes they hurt real bad. Sometimes they just kind of 
are in and out. So I have those all the time on Prozac, all the time. Have not had them since I got off. And that was one of the side effects that I was honestly, or, or you know, side effects of withdrawal that I was worried about because this is going to sound really silly, but because it's one of the ones that I can't really control or hide, which sounds really sketchy and secretive. But like when I get a brain zap, my body jumps and shakes. And I've had a lot of situations where people around me have been like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's just a brain zap. So I was stressed about that my brain zaps were going to, I was going to have them a lot more coming off the meds. Haven't, I mean, maybe I've had a few, but I can tell you that it's definitely been significantly less. Another question that I got that I'm trying not to take personally, because I know people don't mean this personally, but also I'm just sensitive about this subject. There have been people who have said, like, do you think you feel so great because you're actually manic? Like, do you think you've just gone into mania and then you're going to just like crash into depression? And I understand the heart and the science behind asking that. Does it feel great to have like strangers on the internet be like, maybe you're just manic and then you're going to crash and burn and this miracle that you're telling us about isn't actually a miracle. You're just in a manic episode. Not my favorite feeling. You know, I don't think I'm manic. I like to think I know myself pretty well and I've been manic before and I don't think that's what this is. I also know that I've had, I mean, I've been sad. I felt like the whole range of emotions way more than I did when I was medicated since getting off of Prozac. So I've been sad and I've been tired and I've been contemplative and I've been introspective and I've been excited and joyful and happy and productive. I would not label the way that I have felt as manic, but I did want to just, you know, acknowledge that that was one of the things that was, has been brought up quite often. And I don't think that that's the case. Was I ever tempted to get back on them? So I didn't say this earlier, but when I went off of them cold turkey, I actually went through an online pharmacy, I guess, and got a Prozac prescription sent to me, kind of as backup. And I knew it was going to take a while to get here. So I was literally just viewing it as backup. They told me it would be about two weeks. And so I was like, look, if we get the, to the two week point and I'm not OK, I'll have a backup I don't want to take it was kind of my attitude. And it came in. I never even opened the box. I put it in a drawer and I haven't looked at it since. And I can honestly tell you that I have not been tempted to get back on it because it's really not been that bad. Like even the worst day, the worst moment, I was still just so thankful to be off of it and free of something that I never thought, like I didn't think I would ever be free of, that the idea of taking it again just didn't, it really genuinely didn't enter my mind. And then, I don't know, I go back and forth because sometimes I'm like, I'm not saying never. I'm not saying never. But then at this, in the same exact breath, I'm like, never again. Because I'm still in process and I'm a human that doesn't have it all figured out. <laughs> Another big like topic about this has been like weight and appetite. I told you that I got off of them originally in 2021 because I wanted to lose weight. And I did. I don't think I said that. Like, I lost so much weight when I got off of them the first time in, like, four months, three months maybe. I've noticed a significant difference in my appetite because come to find out serotonin is directly linked to your appetite and your ability to feel full. And when you're messing with those levels in your brain, it impacts that. So I was so hungry all the time. I kind of always felt like I was restricting myself 
to stay under what would be like an appropriate number of calories. You know, like 1,800 calories, 2,000 calories felt very restrictive. And I was so hungry all the time. And definitely like before I got off of gluten was primarily reaching for carbs because that's another thing that SSRIs impact is they up your, you know, carb cravings. So yes, I would say I've noticed a huge difference in my difference in my appetite. It's only been a month and and I don't really honestly pay attention to like the scale or anything. And I've been working out and I quit eating gluten. So I don't think I can like say all in all getting off of an SSRI has impacted my weight at all, but it has really changed my relationship with food and honestly generally how I feel about myself. Like I feel more like myself. I feel more comfortable in my own skin. I think because I'm not so disassociated, I've really enjoyed like getting to know myself again and getting to figure out what I like and you know what my style is from like just being more present in my body, if that makes sense. So that was a lot. And I don't even necessarily feel like I covered everything that I've learned or everything that God's shown me or done. I mean, there's just been so many crazy, miraculous experiences over the last 34, 35 days. But I just wanted to say really quickly, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you to the people who have DM'd me, told me they were praying, prayed. Like I could feel your prayers. I fully believe that like it was really scary to get on my Instagram and share that I was that I had gotten off of Prozac that a original time like when I did it in August and shared that for the first time and instantly was so thankful that I had done it because y'all were so supportive and so incredible and I really do believe that like your encouragement your testimonies your stories your messages of I was giving you hope watching me do it that kept me going majorly I feel like words fall short of how thankful I am for this incredible community that we've built and just the way that y'all stepped up and supported me when like I really feel like it's my role to serve you and offer you value and to have those tables be turned in this situation and just kind of have y'all rally around me and love me the way that you did. It was just, it was an insane, beautiful experience and I'm so thankful and I've really tried to like keep up with my DMs and read them and respond. But if I haven't responded or even if I haven't seen it, like just know that your prayers made an impact. Like they made they made their way to me. And I'm just really thankful you made it this far. Thank you for listening as I rambled on about this crazy miracle and experience. And I'm so excited to see where this goes. And I can't wait to celebrate more milestones that's been another thing that's been really fun is like when I stopped walking on eggshells that the floor was going to fall out then it just kind of came became about like every Monday is just kind of a little victory every Monday is just a little win that I kind of just tuck in my pocket even if I don't like say it out loud to anybody Mondays are a little victory because it's the day that God was like hey we're gonna jump and we jumped and look at us now All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? 
That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.